make the bad man stop. Oh, this bad man will never stop. This is Tim, this is your Giants Trade Talk, powered by Online Big Blue LLC. I love the comment section sometimes when people think they're leaving derogatory comments when all they're doing is fueling the fire. <laughs> oh, it's the bye week, you can tell. Because, uh, I mean, literally, Twitter has gone stupid. The comment section on YouTube has gone stupid. I, I mean, it was great because I, uh, I think it was Joey S., asked me a question on the con- in the comment section. I rephrase one of, the, one of the most recent videos. And he says, has the giant fan base, are, are we really the stupidest fan base out there? Because there was that poll that says that the giant fans are some of the most unintelligent fans in reference to football, in reference to their team. Uh, and I would like to disagree. I mean, I really would. I would like to say, no, 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 no. But I've seen it firsthand. I've, I've watched the progression since 76 to where we are now. I blame... MetLife. I think there's something in the water. As soon as they tore down the Meadowlands, as soon as the Jets came in as a co-tenant, that's when I think the fan base has gone the opposite direction. I always always talk about the fact that if you remember when MetLife first opened back in 76, till about, uh, till actually the inception of the new stadium, there was a 30-year waiting list for giant season tickets. 30 years. People would will their spot in line to relatives to get season tickets. And then as soon as the new stadium was built, as soon as the PSLs came about, you can get giant season tickets quite easily. I mean, I, I mean, I've been a season ticket holder forever. Family's been a season ticket holder forever. And I've watched, I've watched the segment of the fan base just change. Now I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Evidently I did want to get into it because I just pontificated and that's for zebra lion or lion zebra who says he doesn't like the word when I use the word pontificate. So I'm sorry. I, I, I really do think I need to apologize to him. And I think it's uh, I think it's lion zebra or zebra lion who, who just, who's just so upset at me and he gets just so mad at me just, just for being me. So, you know what? I just need to apologize to him directly. Fuck you! <laughs> Did anyone really think it was going to go that way? So we have Tommy DeVito now at quarterback. We have Daniel Jones potentially coming back next year. Not potentially. He's got a $68 million dead cap number. Of course, he's coming back next year. But at the end of the day, what are the Giants going to do? Are they going to pass up on a quarterback in this draft? This 2024 draft could be one of those quarterback drafts. And if you look at the talent that's in it, you look at the talent that's around it. It could, you, you, I mean, will it rival like the 1983 draft? Will it rival the 2004 draft? It could because there is so much talent in this draft. Now, every like I said, Tommy, you, you know we love Tommy. Jersey Shore. Tommy. Wait for the beat to drop. Every time I do the Tommy DeVito dance, I got to go to the chiropractor. <laughs> we all love Tommy. Tommy's such a great story. But is it going to be like the Who's Tommy, where all of a sudden things just go horribly wrong? Well, well actually, the Who's Tommy, the things did not go horribly wrong. And that rock opera. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. Um, yes, I know hip hop and I know Tommy. Uh, Tommy, can you hear me? But what, what, I mean, 
we cannot rely on the essence of Tommy DeVito to be the quarterback in 2024. If Daniel Jones is going to be the starter, we can't rely on that. We can't because we don't know how he's going to respond to the surgery. We don't know how that's going to, how that's going to affect this season. We don't, we don't understand if at one point in time, he may not come back till week nine or 10. And if he does come back, will he come back in training camp? Will he have the ability to get himself in game shape? There, there's so many, there's so many unknowns, and we have so many unknowns going into the season. But like I said, I mentioned this. I mentioned two. Uh, excuse me, 1983 and 2004. 1983 is that draft that was was the quarterback draft. You know, was was the John Elway draft? Was that big draft where John Elway forced his way out of Baltimore? into Denver. Um, it, it was just one of those moves. It was one of those moves that Eli Manning did. And we look at this draft. You had the likes of Dan Marino, John Elway, Todd Blackledge, Tony, uh, Tony Eason, Jim Kelly, Ken O'Brien, all going in that first round. You had, you had hits and our stars with Marino and Elway and Kelly. Of course, Kelly went over to the USFL to the, uh, what's that? San Antonio outlaws for an extended period of time. Then he came back to the NFL. Tony Easton actually took his team to the Super Bowl. Uh, Ken O'Brien. Some people think that Ken O'Brien is the best quarterback the Jets have had since Joe Namath. And that's going back to either, you know, Pennington or Sanchez or Richard Todd or anyone else. Todd Blackledge was really the only one that flamed out. He, he flamed out in Kansas City. He got traded over to uh, Pittsburgh and, and then his career just ended. But it was one of those drafts. It, it, it's almost the, it's the pinnacle of quarterback drafts is 1983. It's the pinnacle. I mean, technically, you have three, not technically, you have three Hall of Famers in that draft. You have two Super, uh, you have one Super Bowl winner, multiple Super Bowl winner. You have Lee, a league MVP, a gentleman in all, used to own all the passing stats, and the other one gentleman who actually owns them now. So it was one of those drafts when you look back at it. You see six quarterbacks taken in the first round. And and I remember this draft. I remember the 83 draft. Just like I remember the 2004 draft. You know, where you where you had Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning. Everyone forgets about, uh, what's his name, J.P. Lossman, who went to, I think he was 22nd to the Bills. Hell, you even had Matt Schaub in that draft. I think he went in the second round. Schaub, who actually had a pretty good career start out in Atlanta, finished up with, I believe, the Texans. That was another draft. That's that's another draft that you could potentially have three Hall of Famers coming out of that draft. I definitely think Big Ben should get in. I think Eli should get in. I think that Phillip, even though he does not have the pedigree in reference to the playoffs or the Super Bowl rings, should potentially get in as well. But that was one of those drafts, again, that you couldn't pass up on the talent. You couldn't. You saw the talent in that draft. You knew you had to move forward. And you knew you had to, to make something happen. And I think the Giants understood that, especially after that 1983 season. That was a 4-12, that's a 4-12 season. You, you had the likes of, uh, who do you have the likes of quarterback? You had Kerry Collins, Jason Garrett, and Jesse Palmer at one point in time. So you knew the Giants had to make a move. They knew they weren't going to bring back Collins. They know you brought in Kurt Warner, but you just weren't going to make that move. You had to make, they had to make a move. They had to do something. They had to be bold and mighty forces would come to their aid. But this is that type of draft again. 2024 could be the draft of the quarterback. Now, I keep looking at the draft board, and I keep looking at who the Giants could select, and right now they're probably going to stay within the top 10. 
hopefully they, they keep, they keep on that progression, excuse me, or that path. But I, I mean, you take a look at like, I mean, the likes of Caleb Williams is still number one. I know some he's, he's been, he, he's been something special almost for three years now. Uh, I always talk about how Daniel Jones is a quarterback. Excuse me. Excuse me. A um, point guard who can't create his own shot. And, and Caleb Williams is the anti Daniel Jones. He is a, he is a point guard who can create his own shot. He can facilitate, he can do things with his arms and legs that we have not seen in a long time. I mean, in my opinion, he, he, like I said, he's a guy that just makes things happen. He's one of the top playmakers in college football over the last three years. He's always a threat either with pass. And there are some passes that he makes that you're just dumbfounded by. Now, does all this mean he's going to translate uh, this? Is all this going to translate into a, uh, you know, a hall of fame career? I don't know. Nobody knows. Cause you never know the crap, uh, the, excuse me, the draft is crapshoot. Then you fall into the likes of Drake may Drake may his stats. If you look at his stats at North Carolina, aren't that impressive. It's the type of offense that North Carolina runs. And I think scouts and some fans are in love with him because he has those intangibles. He has the size. He has the ideal arm talent. He can make, you know, they all say he can make all the throws on the pro level with velocity and ball placement. I get worried that he still puts the ball in harm's way a little bit, especially for a guy that doesn't throw a lot in college. He, he still has a tendency to make those bad decisions. And I, I, he's got, to me, he's got a little Kenny Pickett in him. Then the next riser right now is Bo Nix. Bo Nix out of Oregon. This is a different kid than if you watch the film that you saw at Auburn. He is another guy that's dual threat. I think he truly has an NFL arm. Just, just like uh, Drake May, he can make all the throws. He, he had a tendency at Auburn and earlier in his Oregon career to, to kind of crumble under pressure. Um, and he's, he's getting out of that. And he's one of those guys that kind of reminds me of Daniel Jones. He senses pressure. That's not there. And I should rephrase that. Daniel Jones never senses any pressure. Bo senses pressure that isn't there. It's like he almost got, it, it's, it's almost the, uh, it's almost the David Carson area with the Texans. He got hit a lot. And now he's seeing, are feeling the pressure that's not there. And I get a little concerned about that with Bo Nix. The, the biggest one that the biggest guy that everyone's talking about right now is Jaden Daniels. And I've talked about this before. I've gone back and watched his film going to Arizona state. And he is again, a guy that you, you literally see a progression. And I think that's the best thing right now about, about Mr. Daniels throughout his career back at Arizona state, you could see him slowly getting better. I'm slowly in understanding. And it was this year at LSU. It looks like the light switch just went on these last six games that he just, and, and any athlete will tell you, especially when you go to a different level, it sometimes takes time for the game to slow down for you. And it looks like the college game is slowed down so much for him that he's doing things that we have not seen in a long time in college football, especially at the quarterback position, dual threat, hundred percent. He's going to get you a ton of yardage from line of scrimmage, either passing or throwing. I think he's got he's got a little uh, Justin Fields in him, but he's a, I think he's a little bit more athletic. He's got a kind of really um, he he. Uh, I, one of the things I really liked about Awesome's he's focused on taking care of the ball this year, and he has one of the lowest turnover ratios right now in the nation. And he's been playing better under pressure, and honestly. 
if you look at it, like I said, I keep watching the film because everyone keeps talking about him. He's really pushing the ball down the field these last six games. And he's done it at a high level. He's not a one-time starter. He's not, he's not an Akiwi Smith. We talked about before. We, you know, he's, he's not a Dwayne Haskins RIP who had that one big season, that one season starting. He's a guy that's been in the league, you know, in college football for a while. So he's kind of getting it. At 185 pounds, he's definitely going to need to put some mass on, put on a little muscle, but I think he can. I think he has one of those frames. We've talked about that. And if the Giants were to select him, I, I would get it. He, he's, I don't think he's a project. I think he's, he's going to be ready. Is he pro ready? hundred percent pro ready. I don't know. Cause nobody knows, but I will say this. He, he's not going to be a project picked. And if he came in and started day one and, and Preston training camp from wherever team he lands, I'd be happy. The other gentleman I like is of course, is Michael Penix out of Washington. Um, this is kind of, to me, like his really, you know, his, his really big season right now. And he's just one of those guys that has had injury issues. Uh, he's got top. He, I mean, listen, the kid's got top end arm talent. I mean, he's got big talent with his arm. I think he's got what worries me about Penix a little bit. He's kind of got a wonky throwing motion. Is it a Patrick Mahomes type style? No, Patrick Mahomes throwing motion is the fact that he uses his arm in different angles to complete different passes. I think. Penix just naturally has an unorthodox throwing style. Um, and I worry about his lower body mechanics. But the kid, like I said, I've, I always said this about throwing motions. If something's work, and this is what I hate about certain, when you, when you talk about you know throwing motions, this is what I hate, especially when you go into the NFL. You have these people that try to change their throwing motion. Uh, let's change his throwing motion. Let's, let's make it more of a, uh, a, a standard NFL throwing motion. Now, imagine if you did that to Patrick Mahomes. I think a lot of times when you when you tinker with someone's motion, you really screw them up. Now, I do worry, like I said, about his lower body mechanics, but like I said, the kid can bring it. The kid can chuck it. And I wouldn't screw with what he does because what he's done, what he does and what he has done has made him who he is. I don't, I'm not as high on him uh, you know, driving up the draft board. I still think he's going to be in the 20s. But he, he's, another, he's another one I wouldn't be upset if the Giants picked. And of course, we want to talk about uh, you know Dion's boy out of uh, out of Colorado, Mr. Sanders Jr. It's not Jr., but I just like to call him that. Dion Jr. We'll call him Mini Neon. Um, Jacksonville State to Colorado hasn't hasn't really skipped a beat. He he looks great under pressure. He's uh, one of the things that worries about me is he, I don't think he's got that big arm. I don't think he's got that top tier arm. I don't know. I'm not even sure if he has a second tier arm. And I'd be curious in the combine to see if he does have the ability to make all the NFL throws. But like I said, he's played well. He's played extremely well. Then everyone also talks about J.J. McCarthy. Ah, I don't like J.J. McCarthy. Again, J.J. McCarthy reminds me of Drake May. He's got the NFL intangibles without the college football success. They always say he can make all the throws on Sunday. Well, yeah, yeah, that's great. And he's got good velocity on the ball. I think he's he needs to improve his touch, but the problem is this: he doesn't pass enough. Like we've talked about with Jaden, he's a little bit slight a build. Um, so he he's another. I'm not I'm not high on JJ. I know some people are. I just I just don't see it. And I love because people are all upset about it. people are were crushing on Riley Leonard at a Duke. 
He's, you know what's funny about Riley Leonard? He's athletic. He's tough. He's a good runner. I think he has a natural ability and a natural field in the passing game. He just, he just, of course, went to Duke. So we, we all know about Duke quarterbacks. Go looking at Dave Brown and also looking at some other guy named Daniel Jones. He's now entered the transfer portal, and he's kind of looking at Notre Dame. But I think, he need, I think he needs to look at the cautionary tale known as Sam Hartman, who should have came out last year, who transferred to Notre Dame, and that did not go extremely well for him, Mr. Hartman. But he's not, he's not going to be on the draft. And then who am I th- forgetting? Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone. I'm forgetting the kid out of Texas. Um, I don't, I never remember his name. <laughs> I I do know. He's like I said, I do know he's, he's another guy with a big arm and he can make all types. They all say, they all say it again. He can make all those Sunday throws. Um, he is another gentleman that's got kind of an unorthodox throwing motion, but the difference between him and Penix is he's got a very quick release. Um, I think his deep ball accuracy is pretty good. Does he have the ability to place the ball where he wants to? Uh, I think he's very inconsistent. But again, this is college. This, this, these are certain things that can be taught. I think he's lower second round. And, don't, and just remember this, guys. You don't have to take quarterback in the first round. You can take quarterback second round. You can take quarterback in the third round. Hell, you can take quarterback in the seventh round. But these are guys that, like I said, can Shane really pass on this draft? Because you don't know what's coming down in 2025. You don't know what's coming down with day. And, and, and if you don't take a quarterback now, I'm not saying in the first round, maybe in the first three, if you don't take a quarterback now and Daniel Jones flames out again in 2024. And are you really going to rely on him for year seven in 2025? Oh, we're going to have a big stream on Sunday. Yeah, I know there's no game, but we're still going to have the Sunday stream. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, don't forget the like, don't forget subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell because you want to know why. That'll be awesome.